Welcome to the SciDef Cybersecurity Podcast. I'm your host, Raymond Evans, and this is my co-host, Michael Fairweather. We're here to provide you with the cybersecurity news that matters to help you in the cyber realm. We are proud members of the Pod Bros Podcast Network. Check them out at podbros.com. Hey, hey, everyone. Welcome to the SciDef Cybersecurity Podcast. This is another mini-sode. People may be asking, well, this this one's kind of long. The last one was kind of long. What is considered a mini-sode and what's considered a normal podcast? Well, we're going to be considering the podcast as the episodes where we have guests on. And we cover three or more stories, whereas the mini-sodes are just one and two stories with Michael and myself. That, that's going to be our classification for the different episodes here. So just in case you're curious... That is our definition of our episodes. So since it is a mini-sode, it is myself and my awesome co-host, Michael Fairweather. How's it going, Mike? Pretty good, man. How are you doing? Doing fantastic. Glad to hear. And today we are going to be covering two stories. We're going to be talking about the last FM hack. If you've been following our Twitter account, you saw that we did have some uh, tweets out about last FM. And then also we are going to be covering the Opera hack as well. Uh, two stories that impact a handful of people. You know, the 10 people that actually use Opera. And like the 14 people that still use Last FM versus Pandora. <laughs> but nevertheless, you know, there's, there's a handful of people that have been affected. About 20 to 40 people, I would say. Or 43 million, either, either way. Either way, you know, I was close. It's numbers. A few zeros. Now, how many, how many of those accounts are actually active? That is an excellent question. I don't think they reveal that. That would be probably about 14. Yeah. <laughs> Love you, Last FM, but not as much as Pandora. Sorry. I love you as much as I love Mac and as much as I love Sony. Had to get my Sony jab in. Yeah, but you you jabbed Mac. Well, you're the Mac fanboy. I am the Mac fanboy. You know, you've got the Mac defense. I don't have to have the Mac defense. (laughs) I have like... It just works. It does just work. I have like the Ubuntu and, you know, the other Linux operating systems defense. So you like Unix? I do like Unix, but I don't like Mac. It's just a flavor of Unix. I know it's a flavor of Unix, but there's that that fan base of individuals who just jump on the bandwagon and jump on the bandwagon. It's a $3,000 Facebook machine. <laughs> and let's be honest, that's what like 90% of the people use it for. I know that's- there's editors that use it for art and video and for audio, Come on, let's be honest. There's so many individuals out there who are just using it to say, I have a Mac. Here is my $3,000 Facebook machine that I'm going to use for nothing else. Where there's like the little art studios that are like, we're making an independent film and we're editing it with Mac. Yeah. Like I'm all all for those guys, right? Go ahead, use it. 
it's cool for that. It's fantastic for that. But for the rest of the people who are just, just use it to just use it because, you know, it gives off the air of being rich and having entitlement. Just in case anybody was curious as to my hatred of Mac, that is my hatred of Mac. See, this is bipartisanship right here at its finest. If you think about it, you don't like Mac. I, that's pretty much all I use. I do have Windows, some Windows boxes and some some uh, other Unix boxes. But my pr- primary system is MacBook. My phones, iPhones. Granted, they're not the newest, latest, and greatest, but they're still iPhones. So yeah. And then you have, I'm guessing, Android devices as far as phones. That, that I do. Yeah. Running some flavor of Unix. You know, or Red Hat or something along those lines. And then I have, yeah, most of my like computers are either SUS, Debian, CentOS, or Ubuntu. Exactly. So we can still get, a, still get along. This is bipartisanship right here. Now, if I was a dirty Windows user, then you would be like, no, we well, can't get along. I would, I would wonder how we ever came to be, but yes. Right on. So let's hop into our our first story here. Crikey. Going on to our first story here. Last FM, as everybody has heard, well, people who follow uh, cybersecurity news have heard, they just revealed details about a breach that occurred. And it looks like the breach occurred back in 2012, along the same time that... Things like LinkedIn got breached and Dropbox got breached, which is, which is kind of an interesting thing that 2012 was kind of the time that all of these major breaches had occurred. Anyway, the breach occurred and 43 million users' passwords were stolen. Now, these passwords were easily decrypted because they were in unsalted MD5 hashes. Now, MD5 is an encryption algorithm. It's not a very strong encryption algorithm, but it is one. And the fact that they had them on salt it, which it, which takes random bits of information and puts that into the string um, is, is really, really bad because salting adds a, a layer of difficulty to that MD5. Now the fact that it was MD5 period is is even worse because MD5 is super, super easy to crack. You just Google MD5 decryptor and the first page of Google results has a huge laundry list of tools that can be used to decrypt MD5 hashes super quickly. Not only that, but John has zero problem decrypting MD5 hashes. It has zero problem decrypting MD5 salted hashes at that as well. I know I've decrypted some uh, Cisco SATA MD5 hashes, and I've done it in a heartbeat so quickly. Yeah. Now, it appears that the hack occurred on March 22nd, and the total number of users that were hacked were 43,570,999 users. So if you were a user at that time in 2012, it's highly suggested that you change any passwords that you may have reused. You should never reuse passwords anyway, 
uh, because it's a really bad idea because if one of these breaches occur and you reuse your passwords and that one password is going to be able to unlock all kinds of things. That's why it's good to have something like QWERTY card. Yes. Which we are doing a giveaway for on this episode. We're announcing the giveaway here, but if you go to our page over the next few days, there will be a puzzle on there for you to solve. So watch our our website for that, um, and we will pop it up on our Twitter as well. Yeah, Quiddy Cards is awesome. If you've never heard of it, we um, both Ray and myself have one. Um, it's it honestly makes having a secure password extremely easy, which is just awesome. You get a little card, you get uh, you have your normal keyboard, and in correlation to each letter, you have a letter, a number, a symbol, you know, a special character, something along those lines. In the space bar, you have a Secret code, it's only used once. Um, so whenever you order a QWERTY card, it's completely different than the next person's. Um, it's random, again, letters, numbers, capital letters, um, special characters. And the space card, that's your beginning of the password. And then let's say you want to go to a website like SciDef. So instead of a C, it's a semicolon. Instead of a Y, it's four and it breaks it down per letter that you want to do uh, makes it really secure and you get a little card that you keep with you um, you can keep in your wallet you can keep you know keep it on your person definitely don't just leave it laying around um, but an awesome tool as far as secure passwords are concerned it's something I've been using for over a year now um, and definitely Definitely love using it. It's great for coming up with new passwords and the like. Yes, so QWERTY Cards agreed to give a couple away for our podcast. So that is going to be uh, an awesome giveaway that we're going to be doing here. It's kind of sucky because we keep telling people, hey, have strong passwords, have strong passwords, have strong passwords. It doesn't matter what kind of passwords we tell you to have. If these companies who are supposed to be protecting your data when it's at rest don't protect it properly, that's a huge, huge flaw. So a lot of companies got to get behind the idea of using these strong encryption algorithms when their data is at rest. Because if they don't have strong encryption algorithms when their data is at rest, then there is zero point in us telling you to have strong passwords whatsoever. Yeah. Yeah, as of right now, 98% of the last FM passwords have been cracked and converted to plain text. Yeah. The number one password, 123456. Hey, Ray, you, mean, you remember that LinkedIn um, hack that we talked about a couple, about two months ago? Yeah, yeah. What were those passwords like for that one? Uh, number one password, 123456. That's interesting. Very interesting. Uh, number two password? Password. The same for both? No. So for LinkedIn, the number two password was actually LinkedIn. The mm. number three password was password. Where in mm. this case, last FM, the number two password was password. And the number three password was last FM. A very similar correlation, though. I, I'm seeing that whatever website you're on, 
that's the password. You should probably add that to our password list for brute forcing stuff. Whatever the website is? Yeah. Absolutely. And variations of the website's name as well. Yeah. I'm just wondering what Facebook is going to look like if it ever get hacked. If it ever gets hacked, the the password for Facebook, it's going to be Facebook, probably like a hundred percent certain that the top five password will be Facebook. Now you see number four for this hack was a bit stronger. It was a nine digit password. However, it was one two three four five six seven eight nine. Well, that's no, that's not strong at all. It was it was nine characters. It is nine characters. Um, yes. Number five was QWERTY, Q-W-E-R-T, followed by ABC123, followed by ABCDEFG, followed by 12345, and then 1234, and then finally MUSIC. All right, so th- what actually really upsets me with this is the fact that last FM allowed somebody to have a four character password, four characters. That's nothing. Yeah. That's a real bad on a company that they allow a four character password that they don't even set the standards for, for their passwords. It should be one uppercase, one lowercase, one numerical value, one special character and no shorter than 10. Eight, I, yeah, about I, I eight. I would say eight would be better than. Well, eight's better than four. Eight, yeah, eight is better than four. At least with an uppercase, a lowercase, a number, and a special character, you're giving your users a fighting chance to actually have, you know, to have a chance, a fighting chance to have a chance to not have their password. <laughs> yes, a chance for a chance for a chance for a chance. Exactly. How many chances is that? It's it's chance shep chance shepception. But for their users to even have a remote fighting chance, you have to have that encryption at rest to be a good encryption. True. If you don't have proper encryption at rest, then it doesn't matter what your password is. You can have a QWERTY card and have a super strong password, but as long as you're sitting with an MD5 hash algorithm then it's a joke it does not matter what your password is one bit you might as well not have a password i mean you you really shouldn't if you're going to do md5 or anything that's that's not going to be secure in any way shape or form then you shouldn't have a password you should just allow people to do whatever again if you had a password that you used for last fm that was a password they used a bunch across a bunch of services you need to change that password right now it's a couple of years too late but you should probably change your password you should probably have unique passwords for every website you should probably again use something like qwerty card just a good idea because it helps you create unique passwords against multiple services and only you the the holder of the qwerty card will actually know what the password is because of the unique characters and the unique keyboard layout. Um, if you don't know what we're talking about, don't worry because QWERTY card is actually sending us a couple cards that we will be doing a demo video of on our YouTube channel. So keep an eye out for that. As soon as we get the QWERTY card, that same exact day that we get it, 
we will create a video and put it up on YouTube for you to understand what we're talking about before you purchase this product. And we highly suggest you purchase the product because it's awesome. It's super cheap and can help you protect yourself even more. Absolutely. Like we said, I've been using it for over a year now and it's amazing. Absolutely amazing. I heard that Opera had a a bit of a kerfuffle. Why don't you tell us about that, Michael? Yeah, so I think you tweeted about it. It was like 10 users or? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Opera has like 10 people who have who have used that browser in, gen, you know, in general, I believe. Yeah, or 1.7 million. It's a very similar number, though. So what OS does Opera come pre-installed on? That's my question. Um, not that I'm aware of. <laughs> Are you sure? Because 1.7 million users seems a little high to me. <laughs> well, it's not. It's not Windows. No, it's definitely not Windows. That's Edge now. Mm. Nope, nope. Can't think of one. Can't think of one at all. Yeah. Uh, so this isn't just the web browser users. It's actually the users of the Opera. Sync server that have the the 1.7 million users that have uh, had their password stolen. The sync server was actually hacked, um, causing 1.7 million users to unknowingly lose their password or have their password gained. Um, Some of as the Opera company, which is a Norwegian company, actually said in a blog post, some of our sync user passwords and account information, such as login names may have been compromised. Um, they're actually encouraging their users to reset the passwords um, for third-party sites. What they say is, although we only store encrypted or hashed and salted passwords, hey, so they're at least storing salted passwords, uh, we have reset all the Opera Sync account passwords as a precaution. They've also sent out emails to all Opera Sync users to inform them ab- about the incident and ask them to change the password for their Opera Sync accounts. Uh, we encourage users to also reset any passwords to third-party sites they may have synchronized with the service. And in a nutshell, the Opera Sync um, lets them sync browser data settings across multiple devices. Um, so that's why they're saying to actually change passwords to other sites because they have synced the service. Now, when was the date of this event actually occurring? It was this year, right? It, was, it wasn't It was a four or five year ago event that actually occurred. This happened actually this year, correct? Uh, no, it was mid-2012. Oh, oh, okay. <laughs> so you know, when everything else was hacked. So my question is, is why are all these companies just coming forward with their breaches from 2012? You know, that's an excellent question. Um, I think, you know, going through training, going through classes and doing this stuff on a regular basis, we talk about how, you know, it doesn't take days, it doesn't take weeks, it typically takes about a year, maybe two years before you even find um, where a hack occurred or you find that first kind of glimmer of evidence where something has been there. Um, And the fact that all of these companies have taken four years is insane. It it means that the best practices that have been put into place over the years are not being followed 
at all. Go not whatsoever. Yeah. I mean, good on Opera for at least doing salted passwords. That's awesome. They're at least trying. Um, granted, 1.7 million is a lot less than 43 million with Last FM, but they're, they're they at least were doing something more. But the fact that it took two years—it was mid 2012. So even though let's, let's say that's June or July, that's still four years and two months. That's a long time to not have noticed anything on your network that would have even looked like a compromise. Yeah. So our question from earlier as to whether or not um, Opera comes pre-installed with anything, it actually comes pre-installed on the Nokia X family phones, as well as the Samsung feature phones, which the Samsung feature phones is a line of lower end models. So think of the phones that you can buy from like Walmart, those prepaid phones, those would be more of a feature phone. So that's what it would be be bundled in. Gotcha. So that actually ties into us talking last week or two weeks ago about the Android hack. Exactly. So not only are those people susceptible to the Opera hack that we're talking about now, but the Android uh, vulnerability that we talked about last week with the side channel hack. Yep. Not the man in the middle, but the side channel one. So it was the off-path attack. The off-path. I knew, I knew there was off-path, but there was, they also talked about side-channel as well. Yeah. With that. But yeah, the off-path. So if, so if you buy a cheap prepaid phone, then you're pretty much screwed. A, if you lived back in 2012, and B, if, if you, know, you use uh, wireless access points that you don't trust. So what can we really say about these two stories for the users? Um, well, what I would have to say is... Well, users, no matter what password you're going to create, if companies don't follow the proper guidelines for handling your sensitive data, then you're screwed. There's not a whole lot that you can do if a company is storing your information unsecurely um, in an unsecure fashion um, besides hoping and praying that they don't get breached. What do you say about this, Michael? Yeah, what I would say to that is if you are creating an, ac- an account on a website and they don't automatically require you to have a more secure password, so your uppercase, your lowercase, your number, and your special character, and in, at least, at the very minimum, be at least eight characters long, you don't need an account with that company. You don't need an account with that website. And if it's something that you absolutely need an account for, let's say it's a mortgage or a bank or something along those lines, you need to be calling customer service and asking them why they're not doing more with their security, why they're not offering or why they're not securing your information in a better way. Because they're not. If they're not offering something that is more secure than eight characters and like I said, upper uppercase, lowercase, number, and special character, then they are not doing a service to you. I'm very passionate about this. I don't know if you've noticed or not. This it actually, I, like I said, that really pissed me off that it was four characters for Last FM. I think you are just a little, little passionate about it. It really, it really does. I, I that that frustrates me that 
in this day and age, granted four years ago, got it. People weren't talking about cybersecurity back then. And the few that were, they weren't being listened to, but they're just now telling people to reset their passwords. Yeah. So I, what does that tell you about the fact that the people that haven't, they still have four let you know, four digit passwords. It's it's very unacceptable that companies hold out on this kind of information for so long. I mean, we saw it back with that um the Carbanka, Carabanka, Carbank. I can't remember the name of the gang exactly. They were the individuals who had hacked the banks. Um, and they sat on the networks for the banks for a while, monitored the, the banks' um, video feeds and, and had done transactions. It was believed that that bank had actually been compromised for a long time and that the banks actually knew about the, the transactions happening and um, the money going missing and stuff like that. But they just didn't notify anybody. They didn't tell anyone that they had been breached I feel like a lot of companies actually know that. A lot of companies just keep that information quiet because they don't want to hurt their image. Yeah, and and that's highly unacceptable. I agree. I there was a it was probably about uh, it's probably about a year ago, honestly. And my debit card was compromised through a website. Normal website. I don't go in anything crazy. You know, I I shop on Amazon. I, I do normal stuff when I'm using online banking. Um, you know, like, like I said, nothing, nothing crazy or out of the ordinary that anybody would think, Oh, that's kind of weird. And I got a notification from my bank basically saying, well, no, sorry, take that back. I got a notification from visa saying that a website had been compromised. My account information may have been involved in it and contact my bank. Well, when I contacted my bank, they said, we don't have the information. Visa has that information. Visa never released that information. So I have, I still to this day have no idea what website that I had gone to and actually put in my bank account information was hacked, which really upsets me because I'm the type of person that if I'm, if my information gets compromised, I'm not using you anymore until you fix your practices. And I understand that companies are leery of that. And that's exactly why they don't want to release that information until four years later. But instead of hiding behind Visa or the bank, just say, you know what? We messed up. We're This is what we're doing to fix it. I don't feel like companies are doing that today. Yeah, that's a, that's a mindset that, de- that definitely has to change with the companies. Let's wrap things up here for everybody. As we discussed, have strong passwords. And if a a company does not require you to have a strong password, then that's probably a company that you don't want to have an account with. Have unique passwords for everything you use and everything you do because you don't want a company that has poor standards to cause a data breach and that one password you have that you use against uh, across 10 different accounts is now susceptible to be used against you um so i was your host this week raymond evans and he was my awesome co-host michael fairweather stay safe keep your network safe and have a week have a week 
Cybersecurity training has traditionally been really expensive and therefore too hard to come by for many people. The result of super high price training is a skill gap that has left the industry with over 1 million unfilled jobs, which is crazy. But CyberAware is working to change that. The cybersecurity training revolution has begun. Get free training courses and find jobs in the field at CyberAware.it. Employers looking for cybersecurity talent can also post jobs there. So again, free cybersecurity training and jobs at CyberAware.